0: recovery elevator episode 458 i'm doing the
1: exact same thing everybody else is doing but looking back my mentality my attitude was not like everybody else's
0: Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listeners, on today's episode, we have Mike. He's 44 years old, from Huntsville, Alabama, and took his last drink on April 10th, 2023. Great job, Mike. I want to say thank you to all of our Cafe Re chat hosts. You guys are the best, and thank you so much for your time. Listeners, today is going to be a good day. Today has already been a good day. Registration for Restore opens this Friday. Now, Restore is our dry January course. If you wanna take a break for a month or say adios to the booze for good, this course is for you. We meet 14 times as a group in January, on Sundays, Mondays, and Wednesdays via Zoom. You're gonna learn all about alcohol addiction, what it is, what it isn't, how to beat cravings. You'll learn about many different recovery pathways, and the best part is you won't be doing this alone. Link is in the show notes for more information. Thank you, Robin. I hope to see you guys there. Nick Saban, who is Alabama's head football coach and is arguably the best college football coach of all time with seven national titles with both LSU and Alabama, was recently asked in an interview if he drinks alcohol. His response was, no, when I had kids, I didn't want to set that precedent. He also goes on to say, it was the best thing I ever did. I never have a hangover. I never feel bad. Could that be the reason why he's the best college football coach of all time? I don't know, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt. And before we get any further in this episode, let's hear from Exact Nature.
2: We are thrilled to partner with Exact Nature because we are committed to the same goal, to help you quit drinking. Exact Nature's safe, all-natural CBD-based products can aid your alcohol-free journey. If you struggle with sleep, cravings, mood swings, and high stress levels, learn more about how Exact Nature can help you at exactnature.com. Recovery Elevator listeners will receive 20% off their orders by using the code RE20. That's RE20 at exactnature.com.
0: Okay, let's get started. The outro song of this podcast, which is called Unite, is now on Spotify, iTunes, or whatever music streaming service you prefer. Now, this is a huge win I want to share with you, the listener, because you are a big part of making it happen. In my early 20s, there was no question what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was going to be a rock star or a musician. There was no doubt in my mind. The band I was in at the time was playing some of the bigger venues in Hollywood and Los Angeles. I remember at several shows, there would be groups of fans that I had never met singing the lyrics to our songs. It was the coolest thing ever and then alcohol took over. I had a hard rule for myself of never drinking at band practice until I drank at every band practice. Now, if this isn't writing on the wall, I don't know what is. After one rehearsal, I reversed my car over my guitar causing extensive damage to the instrument. As you can imagine, I'll also mention it was a custom made guitar. Even though the guitar was in a hard plastic shell case, the Ford Explorer won that battle. How did that happen, I'm still not fully sure, but I know me being wasted after band practice had something to do with it. While on the roller coaster ride of addiction from 2005 to 2014, that dream died. In fact, music didn't come back into my life on day one of sobriety either, nor day two, nor year two. I remember I bought myself a keyboard or piano for my two-year alcohol-free mark, hoping to spark my musical interest again but the piano sat in the box for another three to four months before I unpacked it, and then it collected dust for another year or two. Now, something I commonly hear when people quit drinking is, now what? What am I gonna do to fill this void? In sobriety, we have to rediscover likes and interests. We aren't really sure what we like to do. A big part of this journey is trying out new hobbies. What's up pickleball, pinball, and paintball? Now, a big asterisk here is to be patient. I thought my passion for music had died, or I had grown out of it, but it wasn't until year four that I started to play music again, and then year nine of this current alcohol-free streak that I released an album. So please be patient with your healing. You didn't walk into the woods in a day. So this is a huge team win, and you the listener are a big part of it. I needed a lot of help to quit drinking and remain alcohol-free. Thank you for believing in me. I believe in you guys. If you want to explore music and sobriety, you bet you're behind. We're doing the Sober Ukulele course again this February. So if you want to hear the outro song or the full album under the artist's name of Pablo Church, there's a link in the show notes or search your preferred music streaming service. So before we get to the interview with Mike, I want to ask you what goals, dreams, aspirations did you have before alcohol stifled them like a wet, soggy blanket? What did alcohol bump down on your list of personal goals or priorities in life? What do you now want in life now that alcohol is no longer in the front seat? Take a moment to ponder these questions. Maybe hit pause in this episode, put pen to paper, and get clear on what you want. Myself and the Recovery Elevator community, we are here to help you make it happen. Listeners, again, thank you so much for walking this journey with me. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp, before we hear from Mike.
2: Raise your hand if you get super overwhelmed during the end of year season. I've noticed in the past I get frustrated at myself because I know that I want to have a good time. I know that I want to be present, but I end up feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and irritable. It's been very helpful to talk to my therapist during this time of year to help me stabilize, ground myself, and gather more tools for my recovery kit. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash elevator today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P pcom slash elevator.
3: Recovery elevator, please help me welcome Mike to the show. Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing well. Freezing cold. <laughs> We're recording this the end of October and uh, yeah, I'm over winter already. But besides that, I'm doing great. Good, good. Glad to be glad to be here this morning. Mike, can you let listeners know how long you've been sober?
1: Two hundred and four days. So uh six months and twenty one days. Six months and
3: change, closing in on seven. Nice job, dude. How are you feeling? Feeling really good. Feeling really good. That's amazing. Good job, man before we get into the interview Mike, can you let us know a little bit about yourself where you're from what you do for a living age are you married and most importantly, what do you like to do for fun?
1: Yeah my name is Mike I'm uh, from Huntsville Alabama um, I work in construction uh, doing remodeling. Um, I've got then uh, I am married and I have five kids ranging from I got a senior in high school and I got a first grader so uh, we run we run the whole the whole gamut right now. Just five kids. Yeah, just five we we decided to stop there (laughs) what do you like to do for fun
3: with the uh, abundance of free time that you got mike
1: yeah with all the extra free time that i have we like to go to kids activities that's kind of what we choose to do (laughs) that's not all bad though very enjoyable it's either coaching their activities or just being a part of them being outside being active Um, if i get my own time to do anything it's uh, i enjoy just uh, exercising running right now nice and, uh, with
3: construction, I'm going to have to show you, there's a running joke with some friends of mine in recovery that, uh, I am not a construction guy, but I'll show you my plant stand when we're done with the interview. I've just built a plant stand that I'm pretty proud of. Awesome. Uh, I'm just, it's an inside joke to some of the RE crew at, at our team meetings. Just, I'm not a builder, but let me show you this thing. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll get into this into the interview, but I just want to ask real quick with, uh, you know, with a wife and five kids, have you noticed a a change in that relationship in the last six months? Incredibly.
1: It's been a a very difficult one. My choices and what I did damaged those tremendously. Um, It's interesting to see um, my 17 and 15-year-old and my wife obviously have a grasp on what has transpired, have had a front row seat to a lot of it, while the other ones my uh the younger three they don't know they can tell that dad works all the time and they can see you know some different things and they can pick up on things but they are a lot less oblivious in different ways to what has gone on so it's almost living two i wouldn't say two separate lives but it's 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 two it's two two different dynamics um with the older ones having to repair and work through those damages and that relationships but while you have the um the younger ones that they they still want to hug me. They still want to um be around. They still um they just don't know. And yeah. so it's kind of uh, it's 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 encouraging, it's helpful. It's it's there's there's some reprieve in that uh, but but having to work through the other stuff is it's 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 a it has been a long it's 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 gonna be a long road. So
3: yeah. No, I feel my kids were 10 and six when I got sober and they're 17 and 12 now. And they, they both experienced it, but they, they experienced it differently. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm grateful for the time that we've had to, to mend those relationships and to have the opportunity to, to, to show that change to them and, and to prove it to them. And, it, and sometimes it takes time, but yeah, they, it was just because of that age gap. And where they where they were, they experienced it differently, and just kind of their their reflections on it are a little different. But uh, what a blessing to be on on this side of it and and have the chance to work yeah. tor- towards rebuilding and repair. And yeah, anyway, just a little yeah. teaser. Like I said, I'm sure we'll talk more about the family dynamic later. But let's do uh, let's do the interview part. Let's <laughs> let's talk let's talk about the beginning and and get to the beginning of this story wherever you think is appropriate to, to start Mike, uh, with your relationship with alcohol, maybe some first exposures or, or first experiences and we'll, we will walk the road together.
1: Perfect. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I grew up in a, uh, in a conservative home, a very good home. Uh, there, there was, there was no alcohol, uh, in our house growing up. My mom, her parents, uh, both died of alcoholism when she was 16. So that was she. She had a firsthand show to what alcoholic parents were, and um, so the pendulum swung in the opposite direction. My dad, you know, ran away from home and was had a rebellion was rather rebellious in his his upbringing. So um, when they got married, they they decided they want to go the opposite direction and they wanted to do, do make better decisions and have a better better a better family and make better choices than what they did. And so I think the pendulum swung the other direction. Um, uh, So, so alcohol was not present in our house. I never, uh, my aunt was, uh, ended up my mom's sister ended up dying of alcoholism as well. And it was kind of interesting just growing up there. It'd be alcohol was not a big thing. It was it would be at family parties a little bit where it was just kind of a general, hey, you know, hey, you know, we're we're grilling, we're cooking, we're doing birthday parties, you know, bring your own beer. Hey, have a few. And that's it. So, I mean, I never had a um, I didn't grow up seeing it what I felt was abused. Um, I just kind of had an impression that that's just not something that I care or really want to be. I just, it was kind of an impression that it was not something that was good to be a part of. And so I just say, yeah, I uh, it, it never interested me. And then just to hear, then know my mom's, uh, parents both died of that. Um, I thought, well, that's gotta be really bad. And so I really want to stay away from that. Uh, we grew up in the church. It was a great experience and is a great experience. Um, um, have a, a, a had a encouraged to have a good relationship with the Lord and to, and to put, put him first and to, um and, and to, to live in that way. And, and, and those, those were all good and very healthy things. And I'm thankful for all those. And so I always felt that was a good, healthy balance and relationship that I had going up, but getting in a little bit older. So, I mean, I, I never had a desire to, to want to drink. I was never thought, I, I never thought I would. And well, I guess first, first exposure would be, uh, I had a friend. This was a New Year's Eve party. We must have been eighth grade, and his dad um, pulled out some uh, Jagermeister. And it's like, hey, I don't know, this must have been, yeah, maybe ninth grade, maybe eighth or ninth grade. He pulled out some Jägermeister and was like, hey, it's it's New Year's Eve. Yeah, you guys, you know, why don't you guys try this? And we're like, man, okay, whatever, great. And this is, you you still, even though you grow up not thinking, I may not want that, but there's also where it's so glamorized. And you look at, it's, it's hard to not look at that and look at it portrayed in movies or advertisements or something and being like, but that's fun. They're having a great time there that that's, that's part of it. And so I, and I also always learned to associate it with, it's like, well, you know, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that, but man, they're, they're having fun. It would be synonymous with, you know, a good time. So I kind of equated it a little bit with that, but it's not, not a good time that I need to have. But when he gave us that Jagermeister, that felt good. That tasted good. Now we didn't get drunk or anything like that. I you know, we still went back and kind of sipped a little bit more when he wasn't looking I'm like, well, let's try a little bit more of that. That was kind of cool. So that was the, the the introductory the start of it um a couple times where we'd, we'd we'd uh i'd have the opportunity to drink a beer or two and be like okay well that th- this this tastes like crap i don't know what the big draw on this is but whatever so i never really never really after that so much went went for it in high school i never i don't even i didn't even drink in high school didn't didn't really care about it. I watched other people that would, and I just kind of looked at them and they're like, "Man, they got—they have got a problem just getting just just slop face drunk or going places and doing stuff." And I was just kind of like, "Eh," it, it never interested me. People end up coming to me saying, "Hey, I got—I just—I I have to go to probation tomorrow. Will you piss in this cup so I can pass my drug?" <laughs> like, "Yeah, cool, no problem, man." So I was that guy that was the clean one, and I would be able. to, People would come up to me at a party and be like, "Hey, can you pee in this cup for me for tomorrow?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And so it was kind of, you know, the the pop thing. I didn't, you know, it, just, it was never ended a lot of that stuff, but I did like to, to, to please a lot of people. And that was kind of my identity of just, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the good kid and felt a lot of odd and out of place a lot and very uncomfortable. So I would try to find other ways to impress and or make an impression without having to talk or do things, um, whether it was, you know, doing something a little bit crazy or something a little bit stupid or taking a little bit too far too extreme. I could see now looking back, I can see where I would pursue extremes to be accepted or make an impression. I would either work extra hard, I would try extra hard, or do something a little bit wild, or a little bit crazy. Um I mean stupid thing is in high school I got crazy voted craziest driver. I didn't want you just I could just drive around and do stupid stupid stuff and my buddy would go back man that was so cool you're and i would i i'd feel accepted and just a lot of a lot of things i would do to try to get acceptance um i felt very awkward in high school very just very unaccepted and and so yeah. it wasn't until later that yeah it, was, it wasn't until after high school that we I actually started drinking a little bit yeah
3: mike i just want to comment on a couple things like one, you talked about that first experience with the Jaeger and are like, what the hell <laughs> kind of an introduction? I think of my experiences with the Jaeger and what I would have been like in eighth, ninth grade with it. Holy shit. But more importantly, you talked about just kind of the the, the way that the alcohol use is portrayed. And it, like as you were talking about that, I was thinking I was like, I didn't start drinking until I was a senior. But when I was like all through high school, you know, we used to have print media, Rolling Stone or whatever, like whatever the hell magazines I read as a high schooler. And I used to like tape these ads, like alcohol ads up in my room. And I can't believe my parents didn't rip them down because we were a pretty conservative home as well. But it was just that how strong that their advertising really is. And it just the way it's portrayed in movies and in TV shows as is, is this is what alcohol consumption looks like. But then also you mentioned like you recognize seeing people who were frequent users, and it, it wasn't that. It was a little sloppier, but just in our in our head for whatever reason. And I think it's due to the tremendous amount of money they spend to make it look a certain way. Mm-hmm. It, it it did have this appeal. But then as you're talking about later on in high school kind of getting a bit performative and and looking for that acceptance in other places, man, you were you're speaking my language there. And I think a lot of us kind of have that people pleaser where it's it's more about, uh, at least speaking for myself, my people pleasing is about finding acceptance, you know, having them pleased, like not pleasing them, but having them pleased with me. And what does that mean? Does you know, is that me acting like a jackass doing something a little silly? And I just wanted to ask, did you ever recognize moments as you were, as you were maybe doing some of those things where you felt like you might've been giving up? part of
1: yourself in order to get this acceptance? Absolutely. And that was gro- uh, a lot of it growing up and I noticed it a lot starting to happen more in middle school. Um, at home, I'd be, you know, hey, we're, we're going to church. I love Jesus and I'm going to obey my parents and I'm going to do everything I can to keep them happy and, and be well pleased with me and, and smile and, and do all the right things. And then at school I go I would just cuss out like no other I would try to try to fit in with them what are they doing what do they want to do that who who do they think I should be what would be cool be accepted that's what I'll do I'll I'll you know oh you want to dip in the back of the 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 bus man I'll I'll take the biggest one uh you want to what, what say a joke man i'm gonna go you know a little bit harder a little bit a little bit a little bit more extreme just to try to to prove to you yeah i'm the rough uh church kid you know all oh, the church kids oh you think i wear all this for that but you know I'm, I'm the cool one and and I, I completely identify with being you know trying to really sold myself out and i re- and i it was a tough to live with knowing i was living i was i mean i was living two separate things i was trying to be one one way at home and trying to keep them happy and then and i and i and I had genuine conviction when i would when i you know praying about it and and, and i you know be in church and be like man this isn't and knowing the way i should live not because to, to face rules or to do because this is right or i'm going to go to hell or anything like that because it's just the right thing to do i mean god loves me he he's He's got guidelines and, and things for me for my benefit, not because he wants to be a the cosmic buzzkill. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, hey, this is not healthy. So I'd rather you didn't do it. And I suggest you don't do it. You do what you want. But man, I, I love you. I care about you. Let's maybe not do this. And, you know, he just suggests these things. And it's like, you know, I'll do what I want. But, and so I didn't. I, I fought against that. I fought against that. And man, just. Yeah, Uh, never felt accepted. So I'd try to sell myself out and just, I never, never knew who I was. And that's just, that's what's been kind of nice over the past, you know, this past, you know, few months, six months, really a year is to start figuring out what that is and to accept that and to be comfortable and to be confident in that and to quit trying to be saying what I think everybody else wants to hear and stop conforming to that. Because I mean, a lot of that desire that into that that got me. That's what got me introduced ramping into it. I mean, I mean, I had a front row seat for it. Like I said, a lot of destruction. I watched. I worked at a party store, and I didn't. I didn't drink. I tried to start drinking, and I was like, man, maybe if I find the right beer, it'll taste good. But they all taste like crap. <laughs> um, I tried like five or six months. She's like, try this one. This you'll like this one. I was like, man, this one don't taste good. But you know then that the guy there he introduced me to pot, and that I liked. That I really liked. And so that got, that was my gateway um, to, you know, smoking a lot of pot. um, And then which kind of did a lot of that uh, through in in college. I think you're going to speak to a lot of people with that, Mike. There's, you know, we're
3: chasing that, chasing that approval of others. Also, we, you know, we have this internal compass. You know, I share that, that belief system with you. You know, my, my faith was pushing me a certain direction. The world was, pushing me another and, and I oscillated back and forth and I never felt like I was being true to one thing or, or true to what mattered. And, and that, that kind of made me feel like shit. I felt, uh, I felt poorly about myself because I didn't, you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have enough sack to commit to, to one mm-hmm. thing or the other. And, and I felt like an imposter and exactly what you said. Like you said it perfectly. I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was true to. I didn't feel like I had stake in anything and it made me incredibly uncomfortable and that my desire to continue to, to entertain people around me, to try to garner their acceptance, created separation myself. And that, that separation was a huge invitation to find a way to check out from that discomfort that I was feeling internally. Did you feel like, like weed and, and eventually alcohol kind of provided a little bit of relief
1: to some of those internal feelings? Oh, it yeah, definitely numbed it when I went so, and, and, you know, we're just, you know, smoking and drinking and, and, and I didn't, the alcohol was fun. I was cool with it. And, and, you know, it was a big part of it, but, you know, so just all that acceptance is just, you know, Hey, here's my running crowd, you know, we got, went, went and rented a house and a bunch of the buddies. And, you know, it's just, it was just, you know, every day, all, I mean, it's, it's, I went to school for the first semester and then I decided, School may not be for me, so I went and cashed out my tuition and stayed up there, for stayed up in the uh, uh, the northern Michigan, the upper peninsula of Michigan, so just all the snow up there. And so I just stayed up there and just, I worked and I worked hard and had a couple jobs and worked and worked to pay for my recreation. So I stayed up there, did all that. And th- that got lonely and that kind of ran to a, de- ran to a dead end. I got in some, uh, s- some legal trouble up there with, uh, open Intox and, uh, doubling the speed limit. And so I had to, so I had to I had to go back downstate and get a real job and make some decisions. So that was kind of a getting thrown in jail for, for a night was kind of a wake up. Well, I, I wouldn't call it a wake up call. It was frustrating. <laughs> call it what it was. It, it pissed me off. Um, and so so i came back i went back moved back home got a job uh doing construction where i worked for the summer and 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 at that point you know so i was that was kind of a a course change right there where i'm like man this is this is things are not going in a good direction um i was smoking a ton and and just getting really lonely and i got in trouble and so Court said, "Hey, you better do something." And so I went, I moved back down state, down lower part of Michigan, um, moved my parents for for um, for a little bit, and and got a job and started doing construction, and that was good. It was healthy, good group of guys. I was still smoking a lot of pot and trying trying to, so I I maintained a lot of that, um, but started making a little bit better what I would consider better choices. Being a little more responsible, holding down a good job, um, but still again living that double life where it's like, hey, um, at home I look great, and when I'm not, I'm not. And so I ended up running with those guys for for a few years, or for a little bit. Uh, some of my friends and just doing doing a lot of that stuff and, and things were progressing just I was finding my acceptance in that finding my acceptance with uh with that group and in those things um then I ended up uh meeting my uh my then wife uh, my mom kind of hooked us up she knew I was not making good choices she knew that this this girl was making better choices and so she said hey maybe you should go talk to her so my mom basically hooked us up and I was like you know what and and at some point I always knew or I felt like I was going I was not going to be a career loser. I was not going to be a, I knew, I felt like I wanted to, I was going to do do what I want to do for as long as I want to do it. And I'll quit when I want to quit. And so I kind of had a, a date in mind, you know, when I turn 21, I'm done. I'm gonna stop, stop screwing around I'm gonna stop doing this and so that's and that's basically what I did when I was 21 I quit quit smoking just quit drinking and I met my wife uh, we started dating and it's was like yeah, she's making good choices well we made some bad choices together for a little bit uh but then it's just like you know hey let's let's get let's get serious and so quit smoking pot and quit uh uh alcohol wasn't a big thing for us then uh but we quit smoking pot changed our friends and got, got back involved in church and, and rededicate our lives in that way and, and and changed a direction. so at you know 21, 22 years old, 23 it's like hey here we go and you know I, we're, 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 we're back in church we're back serving the Lord we're back you know I'm, I'm not drinking not smoking so we went and, you know took that whole pendulum and went complete opposite direction. And I'm, I'm, I'm clean. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to any, any music I used to live completely, I mean, cold Turkey and just, just and we liked it. And she was my best friend. And we, we, we hung out together. We, we did everything together. It's all I, we all, we had each other and that was it. You know, we, we were married for four or five years and then we, we started having kids and we were about our mid twenties. And we just, uh, we, we just, we, we, worked, we served in the church and we had our, we had our, our, our ties from our, our, our old group. And we just had each other and that's what we did and it was good it was clean i was i was like man here's here's my trajectory here's this is where i wanted to be going this is where i knew this is what i was looking for I would, I would have a, a solid relationship with the Lord, I would be active in church, I'd have a good wife, I'd start a family, I'd get a good job, I'd be faithful, I'd be a, the best husband I can be, I'm going to be the best dad that I can be, and this is what I'm doing. Here we go. And so from, you know, from mid-20s on, that's what I felt the trajectory was, and that's the direction I felt we were going. Um, mid, uh, late twenties, uh, uh, 07 in uh, Southern Michigan by the, uh, near where all the, uh, the auto industry is, it got bad. I and mean, it's just, it's, it was, you know, the, the auto industries are shutting down, shutting up and, you know, they're laying everybody off. People are losing their houses. Uh, so that's part of the great exodus of, uh, of Michigan, uh, in, in 2007, my father-in-law is down here in Huntsville. It's a wonderful, wonderful community here. Wonderful city. All the technology, the engineers. There's there's so much stability here. The government work. Um, so it was it was a wonderful opportunity. I just I came home one day. I said, Hey, maybe we should. Her dad will always come and visit. And he's like, hey, You should come to Huntsville. I'm like, Man, I'm not going to Alabama. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, that's you know, rednecks and no shoes and and everything else and, and tornadoes. I don't, I'm not going down. That's, that's just, why would anybody move there? And I just came home one day. I said, Hey, I think we need to go visit your dad. And she's like, uh, okay. So we called him, we moved, we came down here, looked for work. And, and I, I found a, I found a guy that, uh, would, uh, we, him and I hit it off where we we we're really, really similar. He was a construction, uh, Contractor, uh, commercial construction contractor. So I was always in the residential. He was in the commercial. Him and I were just like very, very similar. Go get it and work hard, and just we got we got along really well. And on the way, we came down for two weeks, looked for work. On the way back, he called and said, "Hey, I was thinking about it. Um, I'd like to offer you a job." I was like, "Okay." He told me what he he offered the job. I said, "Okay." So we went home, packed up the packed up our packed up, turned around, came right back down and <laughs> said, "Screw it, we're out of here." <laughs> And, uh as and so we moved down in uh 2007 it's been it was a, it was a fantastic move um the uh wonderful people here wonderful friends uh wonderful church wonderful community uh the economy uh it, it is 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 great um it's been good for for us uh the weather's nice I and mean, there's a lot of a lot of really really good things um it was, it was a very good move you know we moved down here and uh, we had, we only had my son. He was, uh, he was one years old when we, he's a one-year-old when we moved down here. And, and still at that point, you know, alcohol was not a part of our, a part of our, our, our life. And, you know, I I was feeling, Hey, well, I'm on a good trajectory, um, doing the right things and trying to provide and just work hard and be faithful and, and love the Lord and just do the right things. But the foundation for me was never there. There is a, uh, there's a there's a parable in the Bible that talks about um, two houses. You know, one person built a house um, on the rock and another person built their house on the sand. And I thought I was building my house on a solid foundation, but uh, eventually I found out I built it on sand. And, you know, not part of it, not knowing who I was, um, not being confident in who I was, um, looking to other people, uh, looking to my wife, looking for everybody else for acceptance, looking to do whatever they thought would be the right thing to do. And a lot of my life, I went through the motions on on things. And um, you, you mentioned earlier, the only thing I would echo for me in the, in the, in the two split identities of things, you know, I, I, I don't feel true to here. I don't feel true to there. For me, what I've learned over the past uh, six months, I didn't trust God. I didn't trust that his way was the best way. Hey, don't go do this. Well, I don't trust you. I believe, you know, what's right, but I don't trust you and I can do it. uh my will and I can do things my way. And I would easily, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, so I know a lot of things, I would just, this, those little things started eroding in our relationship. You know, I'm, I want to do this, so I'm going to do this. Um, one of the things, uh, uh, I had my own business in, in in Michigan, you know, doing construction and, and things. And we moved back, to, we moved We moved down to Alabama and I got tired of working from the, the guy I was working with and I decided I want to quit. I'm going to start my business back up. And I came home, I told my wife, hey, I quit my job today. I said, huh? <laughs> I mean, those are decisions that should be discussed and agreed upon.
3: Yeah, that's pretty common to to just a casual check in with the partner. You know, Mike. I think uh, just listening to a bit of what you just shared, again, I think a lot of people are going to resonate with with parts of your story. You know, that couple years of uh, of exploration. You know, whether it's smoking weed or alcohol use, just kind of like those party years, and then to to pick at twenty one to like this is when I'm straight now. Like, kudos to you for <laughs> for hammering that down for a little while, at least, you know, and I think a lot of people kind of have that trajectory as well. Like those younger years, you can kind of chalk it up to capricious youth. And, uh, you know, I was exploring, I was checking things out, but then I get a family, I'm going to get a career, I'm going to kind of straighten myself out. And for, you know, like, that's what, that's what my wife did. My wife was a, I mean, she loved, she loved to party in college. And then once we got married and had kids straight and narrow. Yep. It was yep. easy for her, yep. but uh, there's a, there's a lot of us as well that, that, all right, I got a family, things are good. But then you, you know, like you, like you just mentioned uh, you didn't, you didn't trust. And uh, like with this decision to, to, to quit your job after you, you guys had resettled in Alabama, I'm wondering how much of that do you feel was. Was control was there? Was there a part of you? Part of you? You know, like you said, that you believe that maybe God had the best thing in mind for you, but you didn't trust it, and a lot of it was just wanting to exert your own free will. Do you? Do you think some of that was a was control, like showing that you have control of things?
1: Absolutely, a, a, a lot of control. I got this. I saw early on in my life. Um, I want to do what I want to do. And I do not like being told no. And if I want to do something, I, and that's what makes me good at my job and has made me good at a lot of things. If, you know, something needs to be done, I'm going to find a way to do it. And that can be a good thing. Your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness though. And when I want to do something, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that proved uh, pretty destructive uh, once that got applied um, in the wrong directions. Yeah. That, for me, just like what comes to my
3: mind as you're, as you're sharing, it just makes me think of even going back to that that performative side of us where we're trying to gain people's attention or, or affection. That, that was control for me. I talked about this in a, one of my intros or outros not that long ago. That like For me, that was control, controlling the perspective. With work, are there certain things that I can do? Am I going to put myself in a, a tough situation? but I, I know I can handle it again, blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. I can do as- aspects of my job very well, but like something's got to give somewhere and uh, give it like, give it enough time in that area. That's going to buckle. It's going to expose itself.
1: Yeah, I I could definitely see I mean looking back now I can see where a lot of the things were not built on things I didn't I, you know the communication wasn't there um I didn't trust the Lord and I didn't trust I, I didn't, so so I didn't trust my wife either. Um the, I we I read, we read something recently and it said the way your relationship is with God is, you know, the same way you treat your spouse. You know, if I don't trust him, I'm not going to trust her. And I didn't, um, I didn't go to her. I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, confide in her. I didn't, you know, and, and the little things and started getting bigger and bigger and the stakes started getting bigger. And, you know, we started, the business started doing better, started getting more and bigger. And, and I'm like, hey, here we go. This is great. You know, we're, we're, we're heading down the right path. And it's just, but lo and behold, it's just bigger walls, and more house started going on a bad foundation. And I didn't know, I, I didn't, I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And just kept getting bigger and bigger. Business got better and, and got busier and Hey, we're doing great. Doing good, doing better. Hey, a little bit bigger house. Hey, a little bit, a little bit more things. Hey, we can go on vacation now. Um, you know, we moved down here. I'm running, throwing pages. It just, it was, just it, was, it was, it was, it was a lot. Then, you know, 2019 comes and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I got my start swinging a hammer and so then kind of bumped into um, managing and then running a bigger company. And so th- that's a whole other, a whole other uh, animal running things versus just being the one driving the nails or, or doing different things. So it was, there was a, uh, a, a lot of learning curve um, that I, that I got uh, thrown into and uh, I paid, I paid bad for it. Things got bigger 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 faster 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 and um i i got i got over my head and i didn't even realize it i started uh making uh we brought on a bunch of people for work and just starting starting in in 18 and 19 things started not getting good in the business i didn't really realize it um didn't have the wherewithal to see it and recognize it uh then 19 comes and uh, so I start, I start taking on, uh, uh, I start making bad business choices. I start taking and just little things, you know, so I, 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 before I'm not confiding, I'm not talking, I'm just kind of handling things. I'm gonna do what I want, what I think is the right thing to do. And, you know, and so I started doing those things I start making those choices. I don't consult my wife. I don't talk to her about this or that. I got this. I got this. I got this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can handle it. And, and so I started isolating myself, started making those choices and, that started, that, that is, start, then, then I'm starts taking even more cracks at the foundation uh, of, of our trust. You know, so I'm starting to realize, I know in my mind that I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing and stress at work starts, starts, starts compiling. It's kind of a mixed bag where I know there's stress and there's, there's things, there's some things I'm, I'm, I'm not handling things the right way. And I'm, 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 I'm I've taken on some debt that I, that I shouldn't have took on and didn't talk to her about it, but yet this is going good. we we I mean, we're busy. I like got everybody saying, Hey, this is great. You got a huge co- Things are going well, but, but I think things are not going well. Then you start mixing in. Um, so, you know, to go to back, you know, we, you summed it up perfectly, you know, the the, the exploratory time. Hey, I'm just doing this. It's, it, this is just a phase of time. Okay. It's, it's cool. Yeah. She, she shut that off. Okay, cool. I'm done. Me, that was just kind of a foothold. This is a kind of placeholder. Hey, we'll, we'll we'll come back to this. We'll table this. We'll, 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 we'll cut this away. We go through a period of time of, Hey, you know, the, uh, no interest, don't care. Don't want anything to do with any of that stuff. Then all of a sudden we start getting into um yeah you know a few years later it's like you know a, a beer here and there is no big deal okay yeah it's not a big. okay I'm, I'm not getting drunk okay oh, a, a, a little bit here a little bit there not a big deal she can drink one or two no no, no big deal looking back now how i drank and how i dealt with it i i, I see the signs now i see how i was drinking you know it wasn't I'm just going to drink because, you know, I ended up liking the taste of beer and start enjoying some of that stuff, but it became, well, how fast can I drink it? Um, and I started seeing, now I can look back and see how how that kind of started creeping in. So we started drinking casually a little bit here and there in my, gosh, must have been uh, late 30s, a little bit. And so so we, so we that starts getting reintroduced in a very, very moderate, very sporadic uh, way. Um, so that, that enters back in and then work starts piling up and so i start start dealing with those things and so all of a sudden i've got this tool i've got this reintroduced back into my life in a moderate call it maybe normal way um so that's kind of that's it's reintroduced and reentered back in there as a tool and work starts coming so we we know we we start drinking a little bit more and it's just like you know every night we'll just have a drink or two and You know, Hey, this is, this is part of us. It it was, it was so enjoyable to spend time with my wife, come home from work. We put, you know, at that time, we probably had three kids, you know, hard day at work four or five o'clock. Okay. Get home and Hey, we're going to sit on the couch. I'm going to have a drink or two. And Hey, this is our time together. It was, it was great. I enjoyed it. It was really fun. It was really enjoyable. I looked forward to it. You know, looking back, I enjoyed it too much, you know, and you know, and that's when I could start seeing my drinks would get a little stiffer. My, they were getting a little heavier, you know, I would always, I'd rationalize it because I'm like, well, she's having two, I'm having two, you know, instead of saying, well, my two equal her, my, my, my two are, are really four equal to her two. But, and she'd call me out and she's like, yeah, I think you're maybe drinking a little too much. I'm like, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, oh yeah. I'd, okay. Well, I need to back off then. And so, and so I would and, okay try not to make it a problem but it was it, it was always there so we'd drink here and there and, and a little bit more a little bit more um then you start getting into uh, when, when things started really getting uh kind of ramping up that's when i started realizing or now looking back i mean vacations it was like how much can i drink uh then you start getting into um especially when work really got really bad real heavy um i'm wanting to you know i cannot wait for the wait for the weekends and the weekends, you know, started, you know, four o'clock on Fridays. And it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm shutting my phone off and nobody is going to get a hold of me. And I am going to just relax and I'd justify it and call it what it, you know, whatever needed to sound like, or look like. And I'd always uh, justify it with like, Hey, we're both drinking. You know, I, at that point I wasn't drinking alone at that point. I wasn't really didn't feel like I was doing anything that anybody else, everybody else wasn't. Um, I'd always make sure, Hey, if you're drinking, I'm drinking, uh, I'd try not to drink alone. Uh, but it was always, you know, could I drink a little bit more? Could I drink a little mm-hmm. bit faster? Could I, you know, does this have a little bit higher proof? Does this have, what's the content in this? And so I started yeah, a little bit, uh, started getting towards that, um, airing. I, I, I masked it to myself a lot because I always justified it. Cause like, well, everybody else is doing it. I'm doing the exact same thing everybody else is doing, but looking back, my mentality, my attitude, was not like everybody else's, and that is one of the things I was able to learn, kind of going to AA and hearing the people's relationship with alcohol and how they drank. And when I was able to start hearing some of this, I'm like, "Whoa, this, this, this was that was not that was not normal." Earlier than I realized, it was not normal and good. Mike, I think you did
3: a great job of, of just in those last few minutes, just talking about like what progression can look like. And I love that you said it was a tool. I use it as a tool. And I think that's, I think that's exactly what it can be. And I, and I can't speak to a, a quote unquote normal drinker, but 100% that's what alcohol was for me. It was a tool internally. There's conflict. There's, there's some stuff going on for, for a myriad of reasons. I, I I can tell you what it was for me. It's I think is very similar to what it was for you, but it it just turned that off. And you talked about like how good it felt. And it, and I think, I mean, holy shit, if we could just stop there at that, I'm going to have two drinks and relax. Uh, You know, maybe it wouldn't be this thing. And maybe this podcast wouldn't exist, but again, I'm not going to speak for everyone, but for guys like you and I, it didn't stop there. If, if a little bit's good, what's, what's a little bit more. And even I just, I love the way you described about, you know, her two, two of yours might be like eight of hers and then finding those justifications. All right. It's the weekend, it's vacation. So it's, Hey, it's, it's all hands on deck, but everybody else is drinking. And just the, the mental gymnastics to justify our use or our escalated use and, and, and the way we, the way we can sneak around and, find ways to make it okay and convince ourselves and the people around us that it's okay i mean that's that's progression and and you never see it coming because it might start like this isn't i don't say this to scare anybody because i don't think fear is a good long term i mean that might keep us at bay for a little bit right. but you know maybe it starts with just a beer to unwind and then x amount of years down the road you're like holy shit! i like how did this happen Like we never saw it coming. And then we're just we have our hands in the air, like what happened? And with with just a few minutes left before we get to rapid fire, I'd like if you could just kind of take us up to that point of that, because I'm I'm assuming since we're talking today that there was some sort of a point where hands were in the air, like what happened? But maybe just walk us up to that quickly and then And then share a bit about what these last six, six months have looked like as
1: well. Sure. So, so, so work got, got worse and worse and worse and deeper and deeper and harder and harder. And, and I turned to, to drinking more and more and more, um, so all of a sudden, instead of just getting, you know, you know, taking the whole week off for vacation and just drinking, then it turned into, before I knew it, it decided to become a good idea to, uh, to start drinking in the mornings. I I have a big decision today. I got a lot of stuff going on. So I just need, I just need a drink to just to calm down, chill out. And this will help me think, well, one drink never turned into turned it stayed at one. Yeah. That's been my motto. It's just, if if one is good, 10 is better. Um, That's in about everything, you know? And so that, that, that carried in. And so I would, it was, it ramped up really fast the past, you know, the year leading up, to just, it was probably the last six, eight months where you know we had Costco bottles. You know, we go buy our liquor at Costco. That was the greatest thing that ever happened. Is Costco here got liquor sales, and so we you can't you can't buy anything small. You got to buy half gallons, <laughs> and so we'd have half gallons, and I was always the one buying it. So I'd I'd be able to sit there and just do it and drink it, and it turned into going to the back of the room and 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 drinking, you know, just taking slugs out of out of the vodka and tequila. I mean it, it, that seemed somewhat normal to me. That didn't seem like that big of a deal to walk in the back and just take a swig. Um to start drinking vodka and tequila straight and and enjoying it wasn't even a red flag to me. And but it got to that point where it's like, well, hey, I've got this sitting back here and then it turned into it, in my in my office here. Be able to, I'll have I'll have a half gallon, not a pint. But a half gallon just sitting in here just in case I need it. Well, that that didn't last long. Well, that's gone. Well, I need to get another one. And so I started going, you know, going through, you know, a gallon plus uh a a week just to to try to get through. And then it's so it starts progressing to to mornings and it starts progressing to the days. And then it's just uh and then then the evenings I come home drunk it, it, and I I felt like I hit it so well because it seemed like nobody ever knew, you know, because they had said something. But then the, just through through counseling and different things and marital things, it's just she can tell stuff ain't right. And I'm just checking out. And and so so finally she come, she she went and uh, she had the inclination to go in my office and look in a cabinet and she found a half gallon of liquor. And uh, that got her concerned. And I I went back so that. I think she did that in the afternoon. And then the next morning I woke up to go out to the office so I can start drinking at five o'clock in the morning. And I go open up my cabinet and my bottle's gone. I'm like, oh crap. And so I go back in the house and, and I look at her and I said, I I don't know, what I said, I'm like, oh, she's like, oh, so you already gone out there. So, you know, it's it's not even six o'clock in the morning, you know, your stuff's gone already. And so that kind of then everything got got dumped out, and um, you know she's like all hands on deck. Hey, you got a problem? And and I'm like, man, I ain't got no problem. I ain't got a problem. If I need to quit, I'll quit. I'll just quit. And so that 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 led into you know six months of off and on um, hiding, drinking, um, you know going, you know pacing, going back to. You know, still going to Costco, so I can go buy a, you know, buy what I needed to. And you know, but I, I always felt like I was a, um, a, a a functioning alcoholic. A, a, a functioning. I, I, didn't, I, I'm, I'm successful. I, I, I pay my bills. I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm present. I, I'm, I'm. I don't. I'm not doing oh, some of these other things. You know, this the stereotypical. Well, I'm not underneath a bridge. I don't have a brown paper bag until I did. Until I'm scraping together dollars and. Change so i can go buy the cheapest bottle of vodka that's how i tempered myself i would only go buy a pint so that's that's instead of buying half gallons which i can't control i would just go buy a pint so that would be more that, there's my moderation right there oh so. it's the nastiest harm reduction that ever existed <laughs> <laughs> and then and i get to the point where i'm looking i'm staring at this plastic bottle of of something i can't even pronounce and drinking it and i'm just like I guess I've kind of hit a low here. I didn't realize the low was, you know, pacing Costco parking lot waiting for the liquor store to open up so I can get a get a half gallon of vodka. That wasn't low, but the low point would be just when I have to buy the 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 garbage vodka and and just try to try to do that. And but it 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 was an off and on hiding, you know, go a week or two, and I I felt like I could handle it. I was like, man, I got this. I I I can quit if I want to. You know, I know she 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 called me. She goes, you know, you're an alcoholic. I said, I said, I'm not an alcoholic. I got so mad, so mad. I remember driving the car screaming. I am not an alcoholic. I can quit if I feel like it. And I thought I could. I thought I could drink one drink and be done. But I I can't. Um, and I, so then, so some things happened You know, just off and on, off and on, off and on for the past few, for a few months, uh, come March, you know, they would, they'd would be traveling for soccer whatnot. You know, I was, I had to stay at home and, and put in extra hours and be working extra much to try to, to clean up a lot of things. And, uh, and I, I, I it was a Friday night. I don't know why. They they came, but my friends came and check, one of my friends came to check on me and I was drunk, I was supposed to be drinking, I was drunk, and they're like, man, what's going on? And they're checking with me and hey, y'all right, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. They left me and started drinking again. The next morning I wake up, start drinking again, and I go get ready to go to work. I turn my car on. My car's running all morning. And I'm sitting sort there of passed out in my bed. And, you know, some friends show up at noon, noon, one o'clock, and they're like, dude, this ain't good and so then they get me out of there they take me out and uh and take me to a hotel let me sober up a little bit and that 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 was to, to me it's the, kind of the lowest point right there is being able to be in that point and just being like man where have i come where have i gotten to i cannot believe this i've got my friends to have to take me out of there my family's coming home they're gone i'm drinking i'm drunk and and it's just that 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 was a a that was kind of the biggest wake-up call and that was kind of our coming to jesus with my wife and just being like you know i'm like i can do it you know okay I'm, i'll do whatever it takes um then i went and got checked in some outpatient uh facility and they kind of talked through it and walked through it, it like, hey just do this do that and i i stayed sober for for a few weeks during that um but then i showed up drinking to my appointment and and my counselor who had been in rehab three times had been in a psych ward before and this and this and he looked at me and he's like Dude, you're done. You've got to go. And I said no. And that was that was the wake up call to have somebody like that say, "Dude, you've 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 got to do something. This is not working." And he had been on me. You Go to AA. Do you have you gone to meeting? I said, "Man, I'm not going to AA. I'm not going to AA. I'm not doing that. I just you know I can I can handle this." Uh, and then that day, that April 10th, I went to an AA meeting, and, I, and I've 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 been there ever since to go there to get accepted to get encouraged to hear other people's stories um that was the next positive step that i needed uh to be able to 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 start figuring things out and start start going in the right direction start getting the help 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 that i needed uh to to stay sober so uh from that point on it's 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 been that that's where my six month and change started so nice work man you know
3: sometimes sometimes we're just gluttons for punishment we gotta learn We got to learn the lessons the hard way sometimes we got to get kicked in the head a few times but uh you know as 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 a parent myself like i look at my kids and there there's sometimes where i just gotta go hands off and say you're gonna have to you're gonna have to learn this stuff on your own and and that's the same is true for us and it's uh, it sucks that there's some pain that comes along with that but i'm grateful that i'm grateful that you're here today i'm grateful that uh that you that you did whatever you had to do to get here today but you're you're doing a, a a work of service now uh and i believe it's i believe that what we're doing that by sharing our stories and sharing what we've been through and giving hope to other folks that what we went through and, and what we put others through it, it was it, it wasn't for nothing
1: you know and that's but that's what my my that's one of the things I big i hold on to right now is this can't be wasted mm-hmm. um the hurt I, I can't waste this, uh, the destruction, the, it can't be wasted. And that's, that's, that's what I really don't want, will not allow to happen, um, is this to be wasted. So Amen to that,
3: Mike, we are at the rapid fire round in 30 to 60 seconds. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. Number one, what was your biggest fear as you were thinking about quitting drinking? I
1: would not enjoy anything again
3: everything's gonna suck forever and i hate it yep Mm -hmm. uh what is a positive that you didn't expect in a life without alcohol
1: uh clarity of mind clarity of thought and confidence i thought i was clear i thought i knew exactly what i was doing and i was in control of everything and to now to be uh sober and the the clarity and the confidence um it's astounding yeah what is your go-to alcohol-free drink I, I drink a lot of water, uh, I like coffee, uh, but the, if I had a, a drink I'd be the, those little uh, Starbucks uh, double shots, those little small ones. Oh, really okay. like. What is your plan in sobriety moving forward? To make the most of, of, of the time that I have, I feel like I have not lived the best that I could. I want to make the most of what I got and, 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 and live to my potential. Um, I have and I've, like I mentioned earlier, i have gone through the motions and just to kind of walk through things. And so to, to live with intentionality to live with purpose and to live, live to my full potential and, 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 and lay it all out there and, and, and see what, see what God can do and see what happens and, um, and just make an impact the best I can word. Uh, what part and piece of guidance can you give to our listeners
3: who are in early sobriety or thinking about getting sober?
1: God, I, I, it was somebody mentioned on one of the po- the podcasts or the, the episodes recently, or I re-listened to it, and it was a profound statement. They they said they never they never regretted they never regretted not drinking. <laughs> they wake up the next day and they never said, "Man, I really wish I would just got drunk last night. I really wish I would have." And that resonated well with me to think it's like, you know what? That's true. Um, two advice, two, two couple words that I've gotten, uh, encouragement, uh, that have meant, helped me a lot is, is today is just a day. I can look at something and be like, man, I just need to tie one on I just I need to deal with this with alcohol. I need to, I need to, I need to shove this away. I need to deal with this in this way. It's just, it's just a day. Today is just a day and time takes time Two really prof- simple, but very profound, uh, things that have really kind of helped me. It's just, today is just today. And. And when I want stuff to be fixed now, it's time takes time. And that's just, it's, it's reality. Yeah.
3: And last, but certainly not least, Mike, can you give listeners your favorite?
1: You might need to ditch the booze if line. If you are driving down the road after your spouse tells you you're alcoholic and you're screaming at the top of your lungs, you're not an alcoholic, you might be one. Could be a clue. <laughs> it might be. be a clue.
3: Mike, I want to thank you for your time again. Huge congrats on over 200 days. You're killing it, dude. Keep up the good work. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Recovery Elevator, thanks for listening. And thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. You're going to help a lot of people today. If you're listening to this episode at its release, today is the Monday after Thanksgiving here in the States. We are entering the full swing of the holidays. I want to make sure that we're taking the time we need for ourselves. I wanna make sure that I'm taking the time that I need for myself. I have three daily reminders that pop up on my phone every day, and lately, I've been taking an extra minute as they show up just to make sure I'm being intentional about them. First thing in the morning, I'm reminded to read my daily devotional. That can be any sort of daily reading. There are a bunch about recovery for free on the Hazel and Betty Ford website. There's also Transitions Daily, daily AA reading, which I love. And I also like to throw a bit of spiritual reading in the mix too, which I can usually find on the Bible app. Sometimes this reminder could prompt me to spend an hour in deep reading and contemplation, but honestly, it's more like taking five minutes or less to ingest something that will lift me up. I try to do it early in the day before the rest of the world has a chance to sink its claws into me. Next, right before lunch, I'm reminded to take a minute for self care. I wish that this meant I was driving myself to the massage parlor or that I was laying down to take a nap whenever this came up, but again, it's usually much smaller. I make sure that I'm fed and watered. I do a quick pulse check of how the day is going and how I'm feeling, and I'll take a minute when I can to do some box breathing or a quick sensory check. I notice five things that I can see, four things I can feel, three things I can hear, two things I can smell, and one thing I can taste. These quick little practices are sometimes just what I need to recenter myself. And the last one that pops up in the middle of the afternoon is my positive affirmations reminder. I use this one as a double whammy. First, I come up with a positive affirmation about myself. What we say about ourselves matters. And I think it's important that we show ourselves some love. Next, I give someone around me an affirmation. If someone is on my heart, I might shoot them a text and let them know that I appreciate them. At work, it takes no time at all to let someone know that they're doing a great job or that you appreciate what they bring to the table. If you have some sandpaper people in your life, you know the guys and gals who can be a bit rough, challenge yourself to make them the recipient of your affirmation. There are all sorts of things that we can do to meet our sobriety goals this holiday season. Stay close and let us know if you're needing some support. Also, don't be afraid to hit us up on Instagram and let us know what you're doing. You're the only one that can do this RE, but you don't have to do it alone. I love you guys.